Hello, I'm Scott, the CEO of Comio, and you're listening to Agency of Change. I'm joined by my co-host, Head of Strategy at Comio, Brock Fisher. Hi, everyone. It's great to have you with us today. Agency of Change is a podcast that aims to showcase excellence and best practice in residential real estate in Australia. With that in mind, uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome today's guest, Brittany Hedges, the Managing Partner at Ralston Advisory in Brisbane. Hello. Now, Brittany, you've accomplished so much over the course of your career, and we're looking forward to chatting to you about that and also your work with the, the Net Promoter School in property management business. But I guess before we get to that, I'd love to just have a chat to you about uh, the transition into a property management environment that's quite a high accountability environment. So as a segue into that, uh, that general take on, on measuring performance and just get a, a, a few thoughts for you on, on your transition into that space and, and how you worked with that. And I guess what your peers thought about that as well. Yeah, it's super overwhelming and super intimidating. I had been a property manager for a year or two in a traditional agency and you think you're a good property manager, but when you have to come into an environment where you know there's going to be scores and figures and, you know, numbers flashing on TVs and offices, it's super intimidating. Um, I think that being transparent about that during the recruitment process is best because then you know going into a business like that exactly what the culture is and that it is very measured. Um, but if that's not where you see yourself or if you're not aligned, it definitely wouldn't have worked out because it was very, uh, very intimidating to, to have all of that, you know, numbers and figures very visible to everyone in the business. Um, but in saying that, it's also a good platform that there's good rewards. There was awards, you know, you could celebrate people's successes, but coming into it, it definitely is a massive adjustment um, and very scary. Did you feel like that level of transparency actually led to people wanting to improve their own performance? Or do you think it was just the fact that um, there was an ability to understand where people sat in the grand scheme of things that kind of led to that sort of thing? I think both. I think both. You, you knew that, your performance was being measured. So it made those high achievers want to go the extra mile. Um, you know, no one wants to have bad scores up on a dashboard for a business to see. So I think it definitely motivated you to go the extra mile to get top scores. Um, but it also, you know, you, you didn't want to do anything too bad to clients if you knew that they were going to get the survey as well. So it definitely adds another layer of accountability but to not only just do well, but I think to go the extra mile um, and have an awareness. You know, sometimes you think a client's happy with you and if it wasn't for MPS, you would have no idea that they weren't actually in your corner as much as you thought they were. So um, yeah, it provides an awareness that, that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. Brittany, can I ask you then, when, you, when you've kind of gone through the journey of uh, businesses that don't measure a lot of these things and then you start to make the transition, is there kind of a few key things that you start with in terms of measurement then build out or do you just kind of go big bang all at once? What's been your experience there? I think MPS is a really overwhelming place to start if you're a business that has absolutely no transparency of performance. So if you're a business and there's a lot out there where basically the mark of a good property manager is 
they don't have a lot of emails when they leave and we don't have screaming clients. <laughs> and that's as, that's kind of the baseline. Can we um, KPI that up? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only KPI is, is how many emails do you have when you leave and how many of your clients are screaming. And that's really common in a lot of agencies. That is the only baseline. So if you're in an environment like that, going straight into MPS is, is a very tough transition because you know, having your clients give their opinion about your service so black and white with a score and a comment is a really strong place to start. So I think starting with implementing KPIs around your portfolio performance to begin with is, is a good place to start. And then the second phase of that be go to your client base um, just to ease staff into the, the transparency of having clients be able to, to give a score. Um, I think that going from no accountability to, to MPS is, is a big leap. And I think for those that don't know what Net Promoter Score is, it's probably worth just explaining. It's an 11-point scale uh, where we ask customers about their likelihood to recommend us to friends and family. Generally speaking, the range is 0 to 6. They're likely to tell people not to use us. Seven and eight, they're kind of passive. Nine and 10 is what we're chasing. People are our active promoters. So I think from your point of view, like where are you sort of seeing this done well and how important is it in property management businesses? Yeah, I think it's massive because traditionally property management's not the most transparent industry or customer service hasn't necessarily been the focus for very long. So I think business owners having something like MPS where they can really understand their customers um, and their customers' satisfaction is is massive. And and not just in the, the picking up the negatives, but also how to leverage the positive and really happy customers. So it adds a level of transparency to property management businesses that that I don't think has been been done well in the past. So I guess to assist people listening who are, you know, maybe in that scenario at the moment of having a business or running a team where the measure of success is not having that many emails and having no one screaming at you, um, what would you recommend as a couple of key first steps to move from that level of accountability and measurement and performance into kind of, I guess, the, the journey towards um, a bit more transparency and a bit more understanding around where people are really sitting. Yeah, I think start with KPIs that are that are naturally what a property manager does in their day because that's the easiest thing for people to stomach is something I'm familiar with. Um, and you want to start with the, the biggest drivers of, of revenue or loss of revenue in the business. So losses, um, things like lease renewals, where, you know, a poorly executed lease renewal can, can cost a business a large sum of money. Vacancies are, are the same. I think start with things that a property manager is used to speaking to on a regular basis and put KPIs around that to begin with and then transition from there. So can I ask then, if we, if we think about that kind of transition and, and progressively rolling things out, have you found that there's a case to sort of survey landlords and tenants at the same time at the outset? Or do you sort of start with landlords, then introduce tenants later on? What's your thinking there? I think roll out both at the same time. I think that the old thinking that our landlords or the investment owners are somewhat 
more important or more valued in the transaction is is a bit of an aging theory. I think that having the same approach to tenants and landlords is is much more progressive. So if you are going to implement in your business to start surveying your clients, I think educating your staff and your property management team that clients are both tenants and owners is a really good place to start because then you're not you're not having to peel it back the, the standard is set that both are, are valued clients so let's dig into the MPS thing a little more deeply from I guess property manager Brittany's perspective so you've you join this business it's a high accountability environment you kind of progressively getting used to stuff getting measured and KPIs and weekly catch-ups and so forth you get your first batch of MPS results back how do you feel? Were you, did it exceed your expectations? Did you find it a bit scary? And I guess flowing on from that, what sort of part did that play in your ongoing working life then? Yeah, it was terrifying. And I was lucky that I had a manager at the time who really took the time to educate me on what it was. And that, you know, most of the time, your first MPS, if you're new to a business, is someone is a reflection of someone else's service. You've inherited that portfolio. Um, but if you're in a business that it's been your portfolio for a while and you're rolling out MPS, it's still a baseline. So I think preparing your property management team by explaining that it, it's just a baseline. You you can't get better if you don't know what it is yet. So I was really well prepared and well educated. And I think that's what I would recommend is never let your staff see their MPS results for the first time without really explaining to them, okay, this is where we're starting. This is our baseline. It's only going to get better from here so that it's not such an emotional hit if they do have negative scores. Yeah, that's really interesting. Can I build on that then? So when we when we think about um, MPS being rolled out in different businesses, one of the things that I've observed is people start to try and game the system a little bit. And you'll hear things like, um, you know, someone will ask you the, or throw out a comment at the end of the transaction, hey, you're going to get a survey. It's really important you understand. <laughs> if I don't get a nine or a 10, I lose my job or don't get a bonus or whatever. What's your thoughts on how we avoid people starting to do that stuff? Because obviously you'll end up with a high score, but no real advocacy for the business. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's been done in a million different ways <laughs> to try and, to try and um, get around it. But I think ultimately just have whatever system, whatever it looks like running parallel to your business. So it's a no brainer that no property manager should be responsible for the rollout, the monitoring, the sending out, the collation, anything to do with MPS results. And whether that's a, a program or a plugin that runs parallel or someone who's removed from managing properties like a managerial role, no property managers should be able to control any MPS results. And it's also educating them around, like you said, not saying, by the way, Mr. Landlord, you're going to get a survey and give me a 10 and I'll buy you a bottle of wine. And you have to set that, you have to set those standards in your business based on your business's values um, and make sure that the property managers know that it, it has to be unfiltered. I think there's a lot of businesses that say we have an MPS of this, but she was super unhappy. So we removed her from the mailing list. It has to be. And so, so your MPS isn't that. It has to be raw data. It has to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. So business owners have to be prepared to have it all in there. And it's a one-size-fits-all approach. 
And even if it's the tenant that we just, you know, evicted last week, they still need to be treated exactly the same. So from a business point of view, absolutely raw, 100%, no filter, and then make sure that no one that's receiving a score, such as a property manager, has access to to collation or filter or anything like that. So moving forward, Britt, to to running a team uh, with an MPS structure in place and interested to hear your thoughts on how you work through, I guess, the MPS scenario, the scores, the feedback, um, you know, potentially some of the broken hearts, but also the high highs um, with your team members and, and I guess how you kind of use that information for professional development with your team. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it does start with recruitment. I think be honest, if you're a business that has MPS in place, you need to explain that through the recruitment process. So that you are only onboarding property managers that are comfortable with that because it's too hard if they're resistant to that throughout their tenure with you. So I think firstly, when recruiting, be honest about that. Secondly, I think always break it down into bite-sized pieces for a team member. So if you're working with a property manager who, like I said, may have inherited a portfolio not in the best condition, you need to educate them that their their NPS score isn't going to start off great. So it's about working to small wins for them. So if, if it's an NPS system that has different trigger points, when a new tenant moves in, that would be the first score that I would work with them on because your ingoing tenants are people who have only dealt with you. So that's the transaction point that can turn around the quickest in terms of producing an accurate MPS score for your service versus the previous person. Um, But it's all about breaking down when they get what scores. It could highlight certain processes that they're not so strong at I think also going through the comments and reading exactly what the either landlord or tenant is saying. So sometimes the score is not necessarily reflective of the comments. So it's also taking time to go through the comments with your team members to pick up things they're doing well, things they're not doing well. Um, And it's celebrate the wins. If you have a team member who is doing particularly well in one transaction point or there's a common theme in their comments about something that they do well, leveraging their skills to help another team member that may struggle in that area. So it's not all about improving the negative. It's also about celebrating the positive and, you know, going from negative 20 to negative 10 is just as impressive. So it's about celebrating the wins, utilizing skill sets, But I think it also, sometimes as a manager, you don't know what your team do well and not so well from a customer point of view. Don't know that there's that many really in-touch managers that know that without that feedback. So it's your greatest tool as a manager to have exactly what your clients think of every team member, good, bad, and ugly. So I think there's no better way to improve your team than through what their, their clients think of them. So let's talk about comments and feedback for a moment. And I guess in the in the era of social media and online reputation and online reputation management, um, how do you go about, I guess, managing and dealing and responding with some of the negative commentary that might come through as part of a system like this? I think that that's a large part of managing property managers in general is the emotional roller coaster that goes along with property management. So I think 
like any management tactic, I think be vulnerable, explain to them times where you've struggled or you've received negative feedback or, you know, you, the bottom line is you, you can't keep people happy all of the time. So I think sharing that with your team helps them understand that everyone's been through it in property management and that, you know, everyone has their day but also reminding them you can only do what you can do. And sometimes there's things outside of your control, but if you communicate effectively, if you educate, if you help out as best you can, then what else could you do in that transaction? So I think use every negative comment, whether it be through MPS or through social media as a learning opportunity, pull your team member aside, what could we have done better? What did we do right? Where did we land on this one? Analyze it. And then I think, you know, always pump pump them up and let them know that everyone has their day. These things are going to happen and you you don't learn from the days that you, that everything went right. You learn from the days where things went wrong. As far as the actual correspondence with the person that provided that feedback, did you have any particular system or method around, um, I guess, talking to the actual customer? That's key because I think nothing frustrates a frustrated customer more than them saying they're frustrated and then they don't hear anything. So I think as a business, you need to um, have an approach as to how you do handle that feedback. Um, And that needs to be considered at rollout. If your business isn't in a position where they can handle dealing effectively with all survey comments, then you maybe need to adjust rollout so you're not surveying everyone only survey the people that you could handle if the feedback isn't good. So I think always a phone call for any detractors. So anyone that scored between zero and six, whether it be landlord or tenant, there needs to be a follow-up call from a neutral party. So someone who's not that property manager, there's nothing worse than if you've given a zero against your property manager and they're the one who calls for <laughs> feedback. That's just, it's not going to work. It's not effective. It's not good for either party. So have a system in place where someone neutral contacts that particular client to explore that issue and, and obviously follow up with next steps. But follow-up is key. And if you're not in a position where you can follow up 200 people, don't send 200 surveys because you're only as good as the follow-up to the complaint. So can I ask, when when you're getting really good scores, so say like we've spoken at length now around the detractors and the negative piece and how important that is, when it's positive and hopefully, you know, you get more and more positives the more you focus on it, how do you turn that into growth? So if you're getting consistent nines and tens, what what's your advice for uh, small businesses perhaps that are kind of struggling with growth? How do you use that feedback to then get referrals to new customers and so on? Yeah, I think, you know, businesses are spending a lot of money on business development, whether that be through rent roll acquisition or marketing campaigns. And I think everyone forgets that your biggest lead source is sitting in your own rent roll. So if you have customers that give nine or tens and that's them saying they are most likely to refer new business. And then what happens is we say, oh, great. And we do nothing with it. So I, I think that that's, that's the key is you've got people in your business who are singing your praises. So whether that be a BDM or a manager or however the structure looks like, the same way you follow up detractors, you, you need a business plan in place to follow up the promotion 
promoters because they are more, more likely to bring further properties to you or, or refer people that they know to, to grow your rent roll. So definitely need a system in place to capture the happy people and work out how you reward them or what it looks like if they do um, refer business because it is your, your biggest lead source that I think gets overlooked. Yeah, really interesting. And I think for those that are listening, if you if you sort of do the math on some of the things that we're talking about here, you know, uh, I know in, in previous kind of growth campaigns that we've worked on, you know, you're paying $500 to a tenant or something like that for a referral to a new landlord. I mean, that's literally like a sixth of the cost of buying a property through a rental acquisition. So it's, it's crazy effective. Yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, and you have property managers who are busy giving great service. They're they're not always thinking in a growth mindset. So they're going to see that tenant think, happy days, great, amazing, case closed for them. They're on to the next thing. So having something in your business to, to capture that and have someone to follow that up, I think is key. So Brittany, then thinking about, I guess, from more of a business owner's or a principal's perspective. So we've spoken a little bit about your time as a, a property manager using MPS and then how you manage that with a team member. If you were then managing a business as a whole or you know, perhaps running a, a larger scale business with a number of team leaders or office managers in place, uh, is there a difference in how you then sort of continue to evolve that thinking or is it just about extrapolating that same sort of system out? Like how do you help uh, office managers run their own teams? I think if you're running a business or you're in a position where you're in a multi-site, the the big difference is you're not necessarily on the ground in the trenches with your team all day, every day. So you're not overhearing conversations. You're not seeing tenants walk in all the time. So having a snapshot of exactly what's going on in your business at all levels is really key because it helps you discover sometimes where your next problem is going to be. Like MPS can be a projector for a lot of other things, loss management, uh, compensation claims, even staff turnover. If, if a staff member's traditionally a high-scoring MPS performer and their score is declining, that indicates something's going on. So um, I may not be in that office, but if I'm monitoring MPS and I see that someone was at positive 50 and they're now at negative 10, something's probably going on there. So without knowing anything about them, I, I know to ask that question. So I think as a business owner, MPS is a driver for a lot of other things that are going on in your business. So it starts to become very predictable in terms of the pattern of what's going to happen based on what your MPS scoring is doing. So that that's obviously, I mean, that's amazingly powerful when you think about that, like the ability to predict that you might be losing staff well before it happens. Can I, can I move the conversation in a slightly different direction then? So um, I am a huge fan of sort of the progress you've made over your career and looking at some of the different businesses that you've you've worked with over the last few years. Talk to me about the transition to going out and doing some of the consulting work that you're now doing. Are these the sorts of conversations that you're seeing gather pace or are you sort of focused on solving different problems for some of these agencies that you're chatting with? I think it's a good blend. I think the most comforting thing sometimes is that the problems are really similar in property management. And no matter what size of business or how many offices or what your branding is, the problems are shared by a lot of people in the industry. So it's it's comforting in that way. But I also think there's a new appreciation for property management. I think 
in particular, the last 12 months, business owners have a whole new appreciation for what their property managers do and want to invest in that. So a lot more people are interested in, in having these conversations and improving their service delivery, but but mainly their team and making sure their property managers are, are happy and engaged and being upskilled. So I think it's a good time in property management. And I think I'm seeing more businesses open to these type of conversations. So if you were to give some free consultancy advice today on the podcast. <laughs> Read that as please give some free consultancy advice. <laughs> so I, I ring you up and I go, hey, Brittany, I was technically a really good property manager and now I'm managing people, but I've never run a team before. Have you got like two or three bits of advice that you give to me to kind of help me on my journey? What do you think the, the key points would be? The big points I see is if you are a technical expert in something and you become a leader in that field, you are more likely to micromanage to take over. So if you are a property manager who's just been promoted into a sole team leadership, my piece of advice is learn to do less and manage more. So not every problem needs to be solved by you or needs to be completed by you. So you need to learn the art of letting people do their roles and support doesn't look like doing it for them. So I think people think to be a good leader, I need to be in the trenches and do it for them. And that's how I'll show my support is someone's angry on the phone. I'm going to be the one that intercepts the call and does it. I think there's an art to supporting your team from the sidelines and making them better. Being a leader isn't showcasing how good a property manager you were. It's making your property managers better. (laughs) That's such good advice. (laughs) You don't always have to save the day. So um, I guess what about a a one-to-one type structure, frequency? Like is there, should it be just an as-needed ad hoc thing? Should you do it every month, every day, every week? Like uh, what's your view on that? And are there there a couple of pointers there you could help me kind of, I guess, go down that path of having an effective one-to-one? One-on-ones, I think, obviously dependent on your team size, but I'm a massive fan of weekly one-on-ones. I think if you are a leader who doesn't know where to start, start with a really effective weekly one-on-one because it sets your team member up for the week and it sets you up for the week knowing exactly where they're at. So if as a leader you do nothing else, just do a one-on-one, that's the best place to start and have five or six key points to talk about in that one-on-one so that if you don't see that team member again for the rest of the week, they've got a bit of a plan, you've got a bit of a plan, they've got a snapshot of what they need and it's that really regular quality contact with that team member. So one-on-ones weekly are absolutely key for me you might build on that and do a monthly one-on-one that has a little bit of different content um, that might go a little bit longer but a good snappy weekly one-on-one is is key to leadership so let's talk about uh, i guess the icky or more challenging aspects of of the management role around performance management and i know that this is an area that so many people struggle with because I guess once again, it's it's part of that evolution from being technically good at what you did to then being a leader and manager and then sort of being able to progress through to the the more challenging elements of, of giving feedback and and I guess managing people either to upskill them or, you know, to potentially exit them from the business. So 
that's like potentially 17 questions in one, but is there any advice there that you could give a new leader around how to provide feedback to their team member and also how to go into that performance management space, bearing in mind that the outcome doesn't have to be an exit. It can actually just be finding a problem, kind of upskilling people. Yeah, the key is clear communication at all times, at all transaction points. So if you outline your expectations and you're clear about exactly what you need, it puts you in a much better position if those expectations aren't met. So you can't over communicate. But what I see a lot is team leaders or seniors or even business owners who have certain issues with certain property managers and you know they're telling me exactly what's going on. And I say, okay, have we told them? And it's really <laughs> common that the answer is, oh no, we haven't. So you can't, you can't expect your team member to fix something or work on something that they don't know about yet. So you can't over communicate. So if you're clear with your expectations and you're clear on when they're hitting the mark or when they're not, it's, it's much easier than to suddenly hit them with this massive conversation about everything they haven't been doing correct for the last six months. So regular feedback is key, but I think the biggest is piece of advice is to just address it. You know, you are in a much better position to be upfront and address things. You can manage them. You can't manage what they don't know. So it's hard when giving feedback, but you you need to be honest and, and people appreciate that. People want to know where they stand. They don't, they'll respect you for it. And I think going from being a property manager to them being their leader, I think what happens is a lot of times you, you want to be liked as a leader and you go in and think, I can't tell them that because then they won't like me. And my biggest piece of advice is don't ever aim to be liked because that will come and go. I think aim to be respected because that's the constant. Even if they're telling you, even if you're telling them something they don't like, if they respect you, they'll, they'll take that on board. Can I extend on that a little? Cause that, like, that's such great advice. How well do you think leaders do at inviting feedback from their team around what their team might need from them that they're not getting? What's your experience been there? Yeah, I, I don't think leaders do that well because I think there is a, a stigma that if you're the leader, then you you know everything and you're the best at everything and I need to have all the answers. And, and I think leaders need to get comfortable and being vulnerable that sometimes they're not the smartest person in the room or they're not the best placed at that point to deal with that particular issue. And I think it's about always being honest and, and vulnerable with your team about that. So if a team member does come to you and has a question and you don't know the answer, it's okay to say, that's a great question. I actually don't know. Let's find out together. And I think that's where leaders go wrong is they feel this need to always impress and always know everything. But I think being vulnerable with your team about the things you don't know, or that you may not be the best person really drops the walls down that they will give you that feedback and they will feel comfortable to come to you um, and, and ask for it. It's a team member's not going to go to their boss and say, I don't think you're doing X well, <laughs> usually off their own backs. They, they, they will do it if you are. So I think create an environment where feedback is welcome, whether that be you to them or them to you. That's really interesting. I want to, I want to um, sort of bring things to a close with you today with a question that we ask all of our guests on the show. Um, if you reflect on all the incredible things you've seen and done over the time you've been in property management and you could go back in time, you're looking Brittany Hedges day one in the eye, what advice would you give her? 
I think trust your gut and, and, and just tackle things. Don't avoid the same way you have problems with owners or staff. It's the same thing. If, if something doesn't feel right, address it with the staff member. If something's going wrong, call that owner. It, the problem's not going to go away. So just tackle it head on and know that every problem has a solution. That's all we've got time for today. If you'd like to learn more about the work Brittany does, head to www.ralstonrecruitment.com or you can reach out to Brittany on LinkedIn. Uh, Brittany, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thanks, Brittany. And thanks for listening. All of the links and notes for today's show, you can find at colmeo.com in the journal section. This has been Agency of Change. It's been great having you with us.